think you know what we're talking about today. Um, if you don't, somebody beside you should tell you that we're talking about God's peace today. It's the second Sunday of Advent. We are in this series called Come, Peasant King, and uh, it is this second Sunday of Advent. You've heard the passage of Scripture. Uh, we're looking at Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. If you want to turn in your Bibles to that passage, and I know for ourselves, we've been looking now on our news, Canadian news, we've been looking at all this flooding that's been going on, and in particular, I'm thinking about the flooding in B.C. that was on the news in recent days. And, you know, the one thing about a flood, it doesn't come when you expect it. You can't plan for it, Right? You can't plan for it. And, and this was one of the shocking things that happened with this terrible flood in BC. It happened so fast. They weren't expecting it. It didn't come in the way they expected. And I remember just recently watching this one woman in her car, sitting in her car, looking out over the river. And they interviewed her. And what they were interviewing her about was the fact that her host used to stand there. And her host went out through the river and was swept away. And she was sitting there in her car, not really knowing what to do, and in disbelief. Uh, she didn't believe it, so she had to get her car there and sit there and look at it to remind herself that the house was gone. It didn't happen the way she expected it to happen. One of the wonderful things for us is in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of difficulty, God raises up those people who feel it's their call in life to go and warn people. And we thank God for the police, the National Guard, peacekeepers, whatever, volunteers. And they go around the city because now there was another rainfall and they're trying to be prepared for it. And they were trying to make sure this time that people were out of their homes and so they were going around, it was on the national news, they were going around warning people, trying to help people, trying to let them know that danger and trouble could possibly be coming again. You could say they were preparing the way. That's exactly what John is doing in this gospel. That's exactly what John is doing, the precursor of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is coming to prepare the way. For the Lord. Now, this is not exactly what you would say, Pastor, is a Christmas message. This is not what I envision today on this day of peace. John was one, and when we look at him, he was a person, he was a strange character, he was a wild man, rugged. He liked living in the wilderness. He uh, wore strange clothes, and we know he ate odd things. And it's not really the Christmas message that we would think, right? Repent, he says. It's time to repent. It's time to change. It's time to confess. It's time to be baptized. Pastor Betty, that is not the picture that I picture of Christmas, of little babies that don't cry. Welcome, there's not, that's not a reality. And sheep out in pastures and shepherds underneath the starlight. That's, that's Christmas. That's the kind of messages you're supposed to talk about. Well, today we're going to realize that John the Baptist's message here in the third chapter of Luke is anything than what we would expect. 
He says, repent, change, confess, and be baptized. So why is this a message on this particular Sunday of Advent? This is all the readings for Advent. Actually, by the way, Advent is the beginning of the church year. Our, our church year does not start in January 1st. Our church year starts now. <laughs> and uh, this is the beginning, this Advent, this idea of we're coming here and we're preparing our hearts for God to move and come in a new and fresh way. And this is not what we normally would expect. Last week, what is Advent? Advent is a time for hope. We talked about that last week. But let us be uh, realize today that Advent is also a time of preparation. It's a time of preparing. And so Luke in our passage today, that's one of the reasons why I read the scripture, and I didn't do it justice, but I knew some of you would say to me today, Pastor, there's some big words in there, and I don't want to read it. <laughs> so I thought, I'll read the scripture today because of some of those passages there. But what was Luke trying to do here in the beginning of this passage? He's telling us all these big names. Well, what he's doing is he's painting the historical background of exactly when John came and when Jesus was there, right? We're now into the third chapter of Luke, though. And so, you know, we're kind of jumping ahead and then we'll go back a bit. But, but here we are in this third chapter of Luke and in the, in the church during Advent, there is a uh, three-year cycle, and we're in uh, cycle C this year, the churches of Jesus Christ that are following the Advent readings, and this reading is part of it. And so you think about every three years for, I don't know, for how long the church has been reading this passage that we read today as part of Advent preparations. Because yes, it is a season of hope. But my friends, it's also a season of preparation. And so this historical background, uh, Luke is telling us, let me show you what was going on in the world when John the Baptist shows up with this message. And he says, let me show you the Roman Empire and all their power, they thought, and control. And then he says, let me show you the political dynamic. You think if they were writing today's history, they would tell you which politicians are in power. And so he begins to write and show us all what was going on in corrupt Palestine. And then he shows us the religious aspect of what was happening when John shows up in this scene. And so what he's saying to you is interesting because he mentions two high priests. Anna and Caiaphas. Now the truth of it is you wouldn't you would read through this very quick and you wouldn't realize it, but why is he mentioning two? There is only one high priest at a time. Yet he mentions two names here. He mentions two names because Caiaphas is actually the high priest when John comes on the stage. And Anna was his father-in-law who was supposed to be out of the seat at this point, but he's already, Luke is telling you, there's a lot of corruption going on, even in religious levels, so that although Caiaphas is the one sitting with that position, the father-in-law is still in control. Which in the time of Jesus, 
He was the one who still had a lot of clout when it came to the people. So basically, at the beginning, before we even start today, Luke is telling us that the world is at a breaking point. The world is at a tipping point, at a pivotal moment. And it's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. It's pretty explosive. And see, the devout at that time are waiting for God to show up, are waiting for God to make things right again. Remember now, this is after 400 years since the last prophet's been heard. For 400 years, nobody has heard a prophet. Nobody has heard from God. And they are in a difficult, difficult situation. Remember last week, we talked about the dark box, the dark cellar, the wilderness, the dark days. They're feeling that all of history at this moment is stuck, is in a dark, dark place. And so all of Israel is waiting for God to renew his covenant with them, is waiting for God to come and release them of this slavery into his new freedom and his peace that he has so often promised. The prophets of old have spoken of this time of renewal. And so this time is ripe. For God to show up. Luke tells us it's a time of oppression and misery. That's what he's trying to tell us at these beginning verses. See, one thing that we need to realize is what he's saying is you are not going to find God's peace with the kingdoms of this world. He is showing a dualism here of the kingdoms of this world versus God's kingdom. You are not going to find God's peace with the rulers of this world. You are not going to find God's peace from the politicians. No amens to that. <laughs> Praise God for those that are called to work in our politics. But you're not going to find God's peace there. And he also says you're not going to find God's peace with corrupt religious leaders. Who are using power, manipulation, and control. That, that's not how God's peace is going to come. The kingdom of God is going to come with its king, the prince of peace. That's how God's kingdom is ushered in. And so he does this comparison at the beginning here. There's this dualism going on in the background of the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of our Christ. I hear Handel's Messiah right there. The kingdom of God is about to be birthed. It's about to come. It was actually birthed when Christ came and showed up. And so it's powerful, this verse then, once he paints all this darkness. And here's this word of God that breaks in, and this is what Luke is doing. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah. In where? In the wilderness, in the dark places, not in high towers, not in palaces. We know that the birth of Christ, not in all those kinds of places. God breaks in the dark places, in the wilderness. And praise God, after 400 years, now John has got the word of God. Praise God. You know, I, I just was so encouraged when I looked at that, that God, we don't know that moment. We don't know that moment when God can show up. And in a moment, things can change. And here is John. Luke is painting this 
dark picture. And in that moment, all of a sudden, John hears the word of God. And God can show up in any moment. And so we see this fiery young prophet appeared in the Judean wilderness telling people, peace, peace, peace. No. <laughs> what does he tell them? He tells them that all of history is about to change. All of history is about to turn. I like what Barclay said about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was one of the hinges on which history turned. Did you get that statement by Barclay? John the Baptist was one of the hinges in which history turned. And so John the Baptist, like Jesus, is conceived by a miracle. He's the one to announce the coming of the Lord. And John is, what does he say about himself? A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. And so his message is not a Christmas message that we normally would like to come in with sentimentalism because his message is a message of baptism, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's his message that he's saying to people. And I believe it's a message for the church even now in a pivotal moment in history, in the midst of a wilderness of a pandemic. God is wanting to show up again with his message. He went into the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now remember, this is a little different than the baptism that we have, the baptism of faith, where we die with Christ, one of our sacraments, where we die with Christ and we come alive in Christ. This is a baptism of repentance. Luke is making known here. This is people getting prepared for the coming of the Lord. Notice the word, the Jordan is used here. And where would the people of God at that time know about the Jordan? Well, the Jordan is where they crossed when they did what? When they entered into God's promised land. And so here is this man that looks strange, <laughs> and he eats strange, and he's dressed strange, and he's out in the wilderness, which is supposed to be a place far from God, and is out in that wilderness where the Israelites went, after slavery, where they came back home after exile, the Babylonian exile. And so now he says to them, oh, I'm not going to just baptize you somewhere over here. You're going to get baptized in the Jordan because the Jordan is the sign of God doing something new and crossing over. And so he preaches to them that God has finally heard their cries, and God is wanting to do something new. And that first step to receiving what God has new for you, he says, is this baptism of repentance. Now, here is why it's difficult for John's early hearers, and even those today, because this baptism, they knew about baptism, but this baptism was for Gentile converts. And so if you were a convert to Judaism, you were a Gentile, you would have to go through this cleansing, you would have to go through this water of baptism, and you would symbolize that you have turned your back on your God, you have turned your back on your Gentile way, and you now wanted to become a Jew. And notice that <laughs> he's out there, John the Baptist, he's not speaking to the Gentiles. He's speaking to 
to them, God's covenant people. And he is saying, it's time. It's time. Yes, you want God to do his new thing, and you want the kingdom of God to be birthed in your presence, and you want to be citizens of this great kingdom. But if you're going to want to be a part of that, then you need to come under and go under the waters of baptism to repentance. We see that word a lot, metanoia, repentance. I've said this often, that some of our children, we found out, especially when they were teenagers and even when they were younger, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mommy. I'm sorry. They didn't mean it. They didn't mean it at all. There was no change. It was the magical formula to let them have a little bit more time to stay in what they were doing that was wrong. They just would go back and do it again. There was no change of heart. There was no change of direction. It was just mere lip service. I'm sorry. Well, you know, this passage, this baptism into repentance, this word repentance, metanoia, is an actual change. It's a journey of changing one's mind, heart, self, and or way of life. We often say it's a complete turnaround. And so John is asking them to come under these waters of baptism to have this complete turn around. This, my friends, is the only way to true peace. The peace of God. The peace of God. We have people out there today that are working for world peace. And don't get me wrong, I believe in world peace. But I'll tell you one way the world peace will ever be realized is when we are at peace with God. Each one of us, one by one. We spend Saturday nights in prayer, and one of the things we pray for are our leaders. We're called by God to pray for our leaders. And so we go through the process on Saturday nights praying for uh, our leaders in Parliament, our leaders here on this province and the provinces across Canada, our leaders here in town, uh, our leaders, the national leaders around the globe. And then I keep getting this vision of Abraham Lincoln in his office on his knees in a very, very difficult, dark wilderness of his nation and history. And praying for God to give him the ability and the wisdom to know how to lead his nation into a place where all men would be treated equal. And God gives me that vision again. It comes every Saturday night when I pray because I believe that peace in our world, peace in this province, peace in Canada will come, and I pray for it, that our leaders will come to a place where they're at peace with God. I don't know if they are. I don't know who is. But I continue to pray for that. I continue to believe in that because I believe that God is wanting to do that work that only he can do. And so John fulfills what his father Zechariah prophesied about him. You, child, will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. And so a new dawn has come. A new day was born. And those who have been trapped in this dark shadow of death have found a new path to eternal peace. 
And so they're now being baptized on the spirit of repentance into God's new kingdom and new citizenship as they wait for the king to come on the stage. And so I think we need to understand before we move on, we need to even today understand there's two kingdoms. That hasn't changed. Those two kingdoms... Those two kingdoms are still a reality today as much as they were in John's day. And we can easily see these worldly empire and worldly kingdoms, how they function. And for us to understand Christmas and to understand what God is doing, we need to understand the dualism of those two kingdoms. That we reside in the worldly empire, but my citizenship is in his kingdom. And nothing and no one and not even a pandemic can change that. Because that's where my citizenship and yours, if you are in Christ, remains. And so John says it's time to prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 to 5. So he's using, Luke is using actually a, a passage from a prophet that he's writing now in his gospel as he's trying to prepare people for this. Many of you don't know, but Pastor Mike used to drive a bulldozer. Pastor Mike was a heavy equipment operator when he came to Christ. And that's what he did before he entered into ministry, was he would use the bulldozer and a roller, I don't know what else, a euclid and all kinds of stuff. And we'll go there. But I couldn't help to think when I read this about preparing the way. I like that when somebody said a bulldozer from heaven. Oh, praise God. Some of us in the church can be like bulldozers. <laughs> we need special grace. Uh, but I was thinking about my stepfather, who for years worked for Kern and Briggs. And actually Mike worked for Kern and Briggs in Ontario. But was working for Kern and Briggs in Newfoundland. And he went to Newfoundland to put in the Trans-Canada Highway in Newfoundland. And so it was in Newfoundland that my stepfather uh, from Time Valley met my mother who worked for Caterpillar and she was working in the office selling parts. And he was in Newfoundland uh, there putting in that Trans-Canada Highway. He was a truck driver uh, and would bring the dirt and move the dirt and all that that would need to be done. He said, when years later, he talked about how difficult it was to put a highway. Now, Trans-Canada and PEI would probably be pretty smooth. Not too bad. Well, you imagine Newfoundland with the rock. And they literally would have to blast through mountains and places. High places would have to be brought low. And those deep, deep valleys would have to be brought up. If you are going to make a road in the wilderness, in a dark place, guess what it takes? Blood, sweat, and tears. It takes hard work. It takes effort. It doesn't just show up overnight. And we watch them here when we do, they do road work. We get upset because we're in a roadblock for a little while. And they're doing the hard work of repairing the roads or making a road, especially when you're making a road into a new place. See, back in John's day, what would happen was a king would be coming. And before the king would come, the courier would go out and would say to everybody, you need to repair your roads. You need to go and make new roads because the king is coming. 
He's coming. And so apparently when the king came, there had to be smooth roads. They didn't like bumpy roads. The king was coming, so your roads had to be straight. And your roads had to be perfect because the king was coming. So you better go do your road work and get it ready for the king. And so that's what John sees himself as. He is this person who is preparing the way for the Lord's coming. He is preparing the road to God's peace. And his peace will overturn the world the way we know it. Valleys will be filled. Mountains will be humbled. Everything crooked will be made straight and true. Do the work. Do the work to prepare for his coming. That's what John is saying here. See, a highway back in Isaiah's passage was supposed to provide the highway. We call, call also the highway of holiness. But it was to provide the way for God's people to return home. That they could live in peace again. No longer to be under tyranny. No longer to have people lording over them. And he says that every valley would be filled and every mountain leveled because this great king is coming. But I believe, too, he's saying to us today, this king is coming. He is coming and he's wanting you to straighten out your Period. There's a message right there. The king is coming, and it's time to prepare your heart. That's why Advent is a time of preparation. It's time to prepare your life. You want to find true peace? Well, you've got to do it through straight paths and valleys being raised up and mountains made low. My friends, these are words of action. So don't think today that Christmas is going to come in the way that you expect. It comes in a way you do not expect. It doesn't come in a whisper and a cute, silent night. It comes with this force and power and hard work that needs to be done to make the rays straight for our Lord. So what's the number one obstacle that they needed to remove? Sin. What's the obstacle that we need to remove if we want God to show up? Sin. That's why we have an altar. That's why we call people to a place of repentance and ask for God's Forgiveness, And so those who are proud will be humbled and those who feel broken will be raised up. See, in God's kingdom, it's level ground. We often say at the cross is level ground. We all come to Christ the same way. Can't buy your way there. None of you are not worthy enough to be there. We all come in the same way. And so God's kingdom looks that way. God's kingdom is level ground. There is no hierarchy in the church of Jesus Christ. We respect God's calling in people's lives, but there is, we're all on level ground. 
And it doesn't matter what role you play in the kingdom or what ministry you decide to do for the Lord. And you should be doing the ministry for the Lord, by the way. But whatever ministry you're doing, we're all on level ground. And God's kingdom, as he says at the last verse, is for all people. Not just for some, but for all people. And so crooked paths are to be made straight and rough places made smooth, he says. Jesus referred to the people of that day, his own people, his, the Jewish people. He says, oh, what a crooked generation. And so this is the same word that is used by Isaiah. It is about you need to get things straightened out. You need to get things lined up. And so God condemns that which is oppressive and crooked. And I, I just want us to ask this hard question today. What is out of alignment in my life? Dare we ask as a church, what is out of alignment in our church? Is there anything that needs to be straightened out? What is out of line in our community, in our families, in our marriages? God would want us to straighten out. Now here's the ouch. Rough places made smooth. You ever watch a plane? Anybody's got a wood shop? Plane in a way? What about sandpaper? What do we use sandpaper for? Smooth. Means something's got to go. Think about it. You use a plane and you use sandpaper, what's on the floor? Shavings. Shavings. Sawdust. Because something's got to go. And so here we're told that even those rough places <laughs> need to be made smooth. So my friends, I want to tell you today, peace is not about your comfort. Peace is not about sentimentalism. Peace is about us willing to do the work that God is calling each one of us to do in order to see the King of Glory come in. Mm -hmm. Even as we said, Bernard, Bernard of Clairvaux, his first coming, and praise God, we wait for his second coming, but we're praying for him to show up today. And if that's your prayer, God is saying to you, you're part of a new kingdom and you have a new citizenship and we know who the king of peace is and therefore we're to act like it as God's people. So it won't be a picture of silent babies. I don't know of any silent baby, by the way. I don't, I, I don't believe our Lord was silent. He was like us in every way. And it won't be a picture of some field, starry night, with a few shepherds there. The kingdom of God is coming, and I believe it's coming even now in the midst of a pandemic, in ways we would not expect. Are you preparing? Are you preparing for Christmas? Oh, everybody prepares for Christmas. Are you looking forward to it? Not too many amens. You're looking forward to a good meal, Mark. I know. <laughs> Are you dreading it already? We're only into the second week of Advent. Well, somehow you're preparing. There's a Christmas card list. There's a present list. There's a wish list. There's a, some kids do a list for Santa. There's a guest list. And I know for some of us, there is a long shopping list. In some ways, you're preparing for Christmas 2021.
But I want to challenge you today that Isaiah is telling us, and also John, and now Luke in this gospel, that that which we've been longing for, that day we've been waiting for, when all things will be made right, the day of the Lord, that is the day where all should be on the tippy toes of expectation and making preparations for. How do we prepare for the Lord's coming? How do we prepare? Now, we don't know when, so how do we prepare for it? See, I know Christmas comes on the 25th, and whether I have my turkey cooked or not, it comes and it's gone the next day. But I don't know when the Lord is going to come. So how do I prepare for that? I prepare it by being what? Ready. Ready every day and every moment because he will come in ways we do not expect. But my friends, he is coming again. He is coming again. Just like they waited that 400 years and they didn't know. And in that moment, that moment he was born, he arrived. There will be a moment, we say, there will be a twinkling of an eye. And he and the trump shall sound. And he shall come. And we prepare by being ready any moment for his coming. And then we have this task as the worship team comes. I went too far. Anyway, I'll tell you the scripture. We have this task. What did Jesus say? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers. peacemakers. You're not listening. I'm going to say it again. Paying attention? Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children. That's up there. The children of God. And so now we are called this Christmas to do the hard work, to do the hard work of seeing his peace made in my heart, seeing his peace made in this church, seeing his peace made in our families, seeing his peace realized in this greater community. So, and it will only come through hard work. I like what somebody said. It is an image of a parent who breaks the cycle of abuse by doing the hard work of smoothing work of therapy so their child can grow up in a different and a better home. It is that person who is enslaved under addictions who decides to do the hard work to be set free. It is the image of civil rights activists sitting at counter singing this little light of mine. It is the grandmother on her knees night after night praying for her children and her grandchildren for the local schools and the neighborhood. It's people who wash graffiti off walls without expecting any applause or recognition. It's church members opening up their homes in hospitality towards others. It is the person who gives up the hand to welcome a stranger. My friends, if we want peace, Christmas 2021. It's going to come with our hard work and the Lord's help. It's the only way. You want sentimentalism? You want all gifts around your tree? You want to hang your stockings and you think that's Christmas? Then you have missed it. And I believe <clears throat> nothing wrong with those good things and a good meal with family. 
But isn't that also an attack of the enemy? That we only pick out of this the little stories we like to see of shepherds out on the field and angels coming and a baby laying in a manger, quiet. And yet these passages of Scripture, which are crucial to Advent, we don't want to hear. We want to leave it out. Because we're more wanting sentimentalism than we're wanting a new arrival of our King. And so God help us to have our eyes open this Christmas and this Advent. To do the hard work. To say, Lord, if there's anything in my heart today that I need to repent of, help me to repent. Lord, if I've been treating people like they're up on a mountain and these ones are in a valley, help me to be an activist of one who treats all people equal. Because that's what Jesus does. No one is different in his sight. And if I'm the one that's got to go forth to start making peace in my world around me, help me to do the work of bringing peace in my community, in my family, in my church, for your glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Yes, we thank Lord. you for this second Sunday of Advent. It's not the message that we expected. <laughs> we came in wanting to hear nice little stories. But Lord, we thank you for Luke. We thank you for Isaiah. And we thank you for John. Lord, he's a strange character. And but you brought him on your scene for a purpose. So that people in your day, Lord Jesus, would go under that waters of repentance. And thank you today, Lord, that we can repent and know that you are our Lord and Savior because of the cross of Christ. Thank you. You went down as we celebrated at the Lord's table. You went down into that grave and you came up the other side, resurrected, and you are now alive. And you are at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And we have repented of our sins and are saved and have a glorious hope and future. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But now there is work on this earth still to do. And help us to be at your business, being your peacemakers, we pray. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen and amen. Stand with us as we...